All right, welcome back to another week of I Have So Many Questions. My name is Peter Kraus, and this week, uh, Jake is not here. I have a very special guest, someone who I feel like I've been waiting to bring on for the entirety of this uh, podcast so far. About nine years ago, I want to say, a very amazing person walked into my life, and uh, it has not been the same since. And so with that, I'll introduce Teresa Atkin. Thank you for that. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, so, Teresa, there's really no set plan or anything to what I want to talk to you about today. I just felt like there has reached a point in this podcast where all things I've talked about have come from one central location, which kind of goes back to you. And a lot of things that I talk about now, a lot of things that I think about now, uh, relate back to conversations that you and I have had over the last, I think it's nine years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just wanted to get it all from you yourself. This is great. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, of course. Um, Kind of funny, we're sitting here in my kitchen. Uh, Not a recording (laughs) studio or anything. We just tried to get this garage band to work for recording, and I found out I'm very bad at it. But uh, we're going to hope this records and it all works smoothly. Mm -hmm. So, very Very first question. Um, Where are you from and what do you do? Where am I from? Well, right now I'm from Middleton. Okay. Grew up in the UK. The accent usually gives it away. Um, what do I do? I am a life coach. I'm a leadership coach. That means that I can work with a whole variety of people over a huge variety of issues. Um, I've learned a lot over the years, and I've learned a lot from my clients as well mm. over the years. And I'm also a realtor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were just talking about your, uh, do I say realty? Is that what I would say? Real estate. Real estate? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you get into that? Uh, I was looking around for something uh, extra to do, like something to add in to the coaching. And I'd been being nagged for years by some friends that thought it would be a good idea. And I mm. finally agreed. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm surprised at how much I enjoy it because yeah. a lot of it for me is about the people. Sure. You know, I'm never going to be one of the top earners in the state because, Why? you know, <laughs> Why? Because, because I will help people stage their house. I'll help them get rid of clutter. I'll help them take stuff to Goodwill or to Vits sure. and Vinnie's or something and, and then list it, list sure. the property for them. So, yeah. and I like it because yeah. then for me, it's about the people that yeah. I work with. I think that's yeah. a pretty good sales plug right there. <laughs> that might push you to the top <laughs> without even realizing it. Uh, all right, so you had friends that were encouraging you to do this. Mm-hmm. What was like that final, okay, I'll do it? Well, that's a really good question. I think um, I, I, I actually spoke to someone who's been a mentor to me for many years. The mentor has a mentor. I never uh, thought indeed, about that. Indeed, I do. Yeah. More than one. Really? Yes. All yeah, right, we got to get into that. My coaching, my coaching teachers. Yeah. And when I taught coaching with them uh, at their coaching school, I got to know them really quite well. So they're my mentors. And then someone who I worked for, hired initially as a coach, facilitator, therapist, Mm -hmm. and then ended up working for them for a few years. Okay. And so, yes. So I was talking to my mentor who said, I think that would be really good for you. Interesting. So two and a half weeks later, I had finished all of the training and that was it yes and then signed up for the exam that was super fast yes because i know people that work on that for like six months Mm -hmm. yeah wow 
when you do something, you do it full <laughs> on. Like you just yes. jump into it. <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to get it done. Once I decided that I was going to do it, I wanted to, to get it. Yeah. yeah to get it done. And Teresa's the encyclopedia, I feel like, in my life. Anytime I have something that I need help with or a question on, between you and Lucas, I can reach out to one of the two of you and you have the answer. Mm-hmm. And so just the other day, I've been having uh, like nerve issues for the last few weeks and was having tingling in my hand that went into my arm that went into my up, like opposite arm and had me a little nervous. So I reached out to a doctor first, but then reached out to you at the same time. And you had an answer that fixed it within a day. Oh, good. Something so simplistic. Yeah, I just did yeah. like some shrugs and mm-hmm. um, basically like meditation and yeah. it was gone. Yeah. It was just a sensory overload almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Wild. I didn't know the result of that. Yeah, I didn't think to, I don't, God, that's so bad. I, like, I'll reach out for help and then not say, like, oh, it worked, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah, because so that brings in the Z Health thing as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We need to talk about that at some point, yeah. too. All right, so as I know you, well, first, how I met you, I should probably get into. Uh, you were referred to me by an older client of mine as a personal training client. And then we trained for not long, few months maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, all meanwhile, I knew that you were a relationship coach, not a personal coach necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then I think I just said, like, I need you as a, a life coach. <laughs> um, so that as being the main focus of why I know you and how much you've helped me. Can we start from the very beginning of where that came from and how you got into it? The relationship coaching? Uh, wherever you started in coaching yeah. and... Uh, mental emotional health and yeah I think when I first started coaching uh, it was anybody that had anything to talk about okay. basically yeah. and um, in the past um, in the past I had worked on some helplines and so I was really quite happy to talk to people about their you know secrets that they might not necessarily have shared with anybody else so when I got my coaching qualification, I wasn't expecting to coach people. Mm-hmm. I thought it might help me with my children and how to, <laughs> and how to speak to them yeah. and so on. So I really wasn't expecting to make it into a career. Yeah. And I had come across somebody here in Madison who went to the coaching school that I ended up going to. And it just seemed like the next thing that might be kind of interesting to do. And it really took off when I was teaching coaches. So I taught. We were teaching coaches. Yeah. So I so at the coaching school. Yeah. Yeah. At the coaching school that yeah. I went to, I did my qualification in July of two thousand and two. Okay. I think, and then the following, like a few months later, I assisted at a uh, training, and then. By the next three months afterwards, I was helping teach. That fast? Yeah, helping teach. Wow. The so this was a natural path for you. I mean, it was... Yeah, yeah. You knew what you were doing right away. Yeah, and, and partly why it was like that is because I was the person that my friends would come... You know, mm-hmm. They had a breakup and they would come and sit on my sofa and talk about it yeah. when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, I had... A few people in my family who had some mental health issues, so I was always reading books to try and understand mm-hmm. what what might help them. No codependency there at all. Yeah, none, right? <laughs> it's funny how I go to you as my book. Uh, <coughs> you, you have become my book. 
at this point. Really? Oh, like there's good. a lot of things that I read <laughs> um, to you know figure out my own path. <laughs> But at the end of the day, if I have questions on something, it's you or Lucas. It's always confirmation yeah. through the two of you. Yeah. 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 And Lucas is one of the people I might go to, and he can, yeah. he, he talks and, to me as well. Right, so, yeah, absolutely. it's kind of... Yeah. Well, you have such a different depth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He seems very science-based for his mm-hmm. specific realm of mm-hmm. thought, which is... I, I don't know how better to explain it than, like, the body-brain connection. Yeah. It's, okay, if this hurts, what am I doing... Um, internally to cause that or to fix it. Exactly. And for you, it, at least what I've experienced, for the most part, this mm-hmm. isn't mm-hmm. like a you know, broad sweeping statement, but it's more how am I feeling and what have I experienced in life that could be mm-hmm. causing this current state. Yeah, exactly. So I think you guys make a great one-two punch for that reason. Exactly. And, and the thing that I like about, because I didn't start training in sea health until after I'd met Lucas... Mm. And so the thing I liked about Sea Health for me is I always enjoyed the neuroscience of coaching and the neuroscience mm. of therapy. So understanding the different brain pathways and how they impacted people and how different areas of the brain were impacted by our experience. Totally. And so it was a natural thing for me to then be interested about how moving different parts, you know, like basically moving the body in particular ways, mm. how that would affect emotions and mm brain health basically overall brain health yeah yeah i think back to when i first heard you to talk about it in that way mm-hmm. i had no idea what you meant but mm-hmm. to give some context to the listeners lucas has talked to me about and you've talked to me about it in other ways um let's say i get in a car accident and i get hit from the left now anytime say i i have a breeze from the left mm-hmm. or i catch something in the corner of my eye to the left or something like that, it can have a trauma response Mm -hmm. that can have then a reaction on the physical. Say it's a tight hip, a sore back, um, headaches, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just making Mm -hmm. stuff up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I never knew that. And I think back to all the things that have happened in my life in a traumatic state that could have some sort of imprint on my being or my physical and had no clue until I started working with, I was working with Lucas and he had me lift my eyes into a certain position and it completely changed my mobility just by doing that with just my eyes. Nothing else had changed. Yep. Just that. Yes. Um, or like the vibration in the ear really threw me off. Yeah. He put like Lucas. basically what I told him was a vibrating toothbrush <laughs> in my ear. And he's like, I paid $40 for this and you just do a toothbrush. See, yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, but it was just very interesting, these yeah. modalities that you both have mm-hmm. that I was completely clueless to yeah. before that. Yeah. I think I, I've loved bringing that in because you, the point that you make about like trauma and eye position, mm. our brain makes a snapshot yeah. of where our eyes are, where our head is in relation to both the ground and also in relation to other parts of our body, where our body is, where our limbs are, mm-hmm. and it makes a sna- and how much where there's tension in the body, it makes a snapshot of that. Yeah. And then when we encounter something that reminds the brain of any of those things, it will react with that same kind of fear and trauma as the original event. Jesus. And so... In any state. So you could be doing anything and your body is just back in that same position. You could have potentially some sort of response. I I have a personal one of those. So I moved, we we came to Madison in 95. Okay. And then we moved out to Massachusetts at the end of 98. And the moving company arrived when my daughter was five days old. So I had three boys and then my daughter was born. And and so when my daughter was five days old, the moving company came. We moved out to Massachusetts. Um, there was so much going on at that time, like mm-hmm. 
leaving, leaving so behind times. friends, uh, leaving mm. behind school that the kids were in, and it was a community that I was very involved in, mm. and leaving behind so many different things with a tiny baby and having all of the postpartum hormones. Is your first baby? Fourth. Fourth. That was okay. my fourth one. Fourth, okay. Yeah. So I didn't realize how much that had impacted me mm-hmm. until we moved back two, two and a half years later. And I ended up parking in the exact same spot that I had parked in. And as I drove away, loaded the kids up, drove away, and I had like silent tears pouring down my face. Mm-hmm. So that, it wasn't until I had parked in that space that my brain recognized as this really sad time and this sad mm-hmm. event that I, I, and it just triggered it all mm-hmm. from that time. So then I could do something about it. Was that then a release or was that a... I don't know how to say it, like a um, a repeat of that initial emotion. It it was a little bit of both. Yeah. So it was definitely a repeat, yeah. which was because by that time I was already paying attention to emotions as signals, emotions as information and signs mm-hmm. of something going on that mm-hmm. needed attention. So I so it was a repeat. So it was there was quite quite a lot of sadness in that. Mm. Um, so, and, and the other thing that happened, my daughter was born at home. And so, uh, what we started packing up, like when she was four, four days old. And so the moving company arrived when she was so, so very young. And I was packing away all of the things that had been associated with the birth. And it had been such Mm. an amazing experience that even that was like a loss in a way. Like I couldn't yeah. revel in the enjoyment of that whole experience. Um, even that was a loss. So, and I didn't realize, I didn't realize like there were like multiple losses of friendships, you know, change. And so, yeah, it took till we moved back till I really realized how much it, it impacted me. So I took it as a sign and went and, and sought help. I went to speak to a therapist myself at that time. Is that your first time? No. Speak? No? Okay. When did I? The first Yeah, when did, do you know when you <laughs> first started going to well, therapy? You know, reading psychology books since I was about 15 and then reading therapy books along with my physics books that I always used to read and a few things of philosophy thrown in there for fun. Um, I started reading about thera- therapy interventions when my now ex-husband and I first got together. Because the, re- oh, this might be how I got into relationship stuff. So our relationship in the first year mm-hmm. was not at all what I e- expected it to be. And it was really turbulent and there mm-hmm. were a lot of challenges. And so I, at that time, had an older woman who, when I first met her, she'd been working on the assembly line and I recognized her potential and so promoted her into supervisory positions. And she was then... Um, she, what, what was this job at the time? The job that I did? Yeah, what were you doing? Um, managing. In a managerial role, role um, we made uh, image intensifiers that allowed pilots to fly in the dark. Oh, that's cool. And with no light, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... And where was this? In England. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so this woman was a friend, and, yeah. and so I'd gotten to know her quite well and promoted her, and she then got noticed and were transferred into our... We had a training and development department 
it was quite forward thinking mm. for the time. We're talking about, gosh, late 80s. Mm. So it's really forward thinking. Mm -hmm. And so she transferred in there. So my, my department was then used as a guinea pig quite often for all of the new training ideas that they wanted to bring in. Mm. So when I was struggling, I went to her to get her advice. And she said, mm. read this therapy book. The one that you promoted? Yeah. Yeah, who became friends. So she yeah. said, read this book, this will help you. And it was family, something like Families and How to Survive Them by John Cleese of the Monty Python, of Monty Python, really? and his therapist, B.F. Skinner. I have to remember check that, that exact book. I, want to I don't think anybody's that concerned about it. No, 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 but I, I want to check and just uh, What see. is it called? I think it's something like Families and How to Survive Them. Well, I believe that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking notes as you're looking that up. Hang with us, everybody. <laughs> I, had, I had also, and like being promoted as, as a, young, a young woman in a very male-dominated industry, I made a lot of, I learned a lot by making mistakes. Hmm. And so I, I was like, I have to learn more about how to manage people. I have to learn more about how to not make all of these mistakes. Yeah. Because um, every time I did, I didn't feel good about it. Were the it. mistakes in the business or in the people? People. Like in the communication. Yeah, in the communication uh, with people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I call it the, you know, book of hard knocks, if you will. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, you know, I've made so many mistakes, mistakes as a manager or an owner of a business. And I can't tell you how many times I look back on a situation like, okay, I could handle that better. But all that does is allow me to go into the next situation with a greater depth of knowledge in how to handle the situation. Different author. The, the author of that Families and How to Survive Them is John Cleese and Robin Skinner. Hmm. Yeah. That is definitely an 80s book. Look at that picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Home Alone movie right there. So, oh, it says this one was 93. So, so it was nine. There must have been so, an earlier version. Okay, so this woman helped you to get through a difficult time yeah. and recommended you take therapy. And that was for the first time in the 80s. Yeah. How old do you think you were at that time? Old already? No. no. I was... Um, in the late 80s, so probably, but I came back to work. So, so it, I would have been 27, okay. 28, wow. somewhere around there. Yeah. Taking therapy for the first time at 27. Mm -hmm. I think so many people get wrapped up in, I'm not there yet. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm too far behind in whatever it is, whatever their journey may be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to know that you are probably, I mean, the greatest life coach I know, mm -hmm. uh, and you didn't start till you were 27 on your own path in that mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fast forward however many years it took to then start on your own path in teaching and coaching. Yeah. It's amazing to think. Like, I mean, you mm -hmm. can never start too late. No, yeah. not at all. And I think a lot of things were going on in my life at that time in all kinds of ways. And I think, um, like many people, I had my coping mechanisms that were not necessarily the healthiest. Mm -hmm. So I was getting by using those coping mechanisms. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I was, I mean, I would tutor people in math sometimes on my lunch break. I would, I would always be busy and I would be doing things to help other people. So mm -hmm. I didn't really, up until I was about that 27, 28 age, I really wasn't looking as much at myself because it was work. much easier to take care of other people. Yeah, I could see that. That's fair. <laughs> mm -hmm. Does that still come up from time to time? Taking when, care of people? Well, taking care of yourself above others or just in an equal balance? I, um, 
I am so much better about it, you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would believe that. So that, uh, yeah, yes. So, <laughs> so I am pretty clear with my time that mm. if it's not a yes, then I don't say, I don't say anything until I can say yes or no to it. I, my, my reflex used to be to say yes and then think about it afterwards yeah. and now it's, I, I yeah. think it through. So most people that know me well are pretty confident at this point that if I say yes to something, it's because I really mean yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's something I'm just really starting to learn for myself right now. Mm-hmm. And it's yes or no for the longest time. It's always I gave a definitive answer based on my emotional state at that time almost. Um, or even like my belief of that without really taking time to think on it. And it didn't have to be a definitive yes or no. There's so often times in conversation, especially in relationships and having so many struggles with relationships in my life in the last few years. Mm-hmm. There's times where, like, I don't need to have a stance on this. Uh, if I think there could be something else to it, give it some time to think on it. Yeah. Uh, it's really just a, a, a moment of just letting go, I guess. Yeah. And just allowing it to kind of like come out on its own. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Like the answer to come out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think because yes. I work with couples a lot still as well and you've heard me say this to you one of my favorite sayings and I wish I could remember which therapist it came from originally um, some a book I read or a training that I did and it's you can either be in a relationship or you can be right you can't be both you've used that on me a few times yeah so so but and and that comes out of like couples often get into arguments about who's right and then right. they try and convince the other person right. that they're wrong mm-hmm. and they're in all of the details and the bigger picture of, hey, we're actually on the same team yeah. and you know, we care about each other gets lost in all of those. Yeah. You know, that need to be right and prove the other one wrong. There's so many more questions I have about <laughs> you, but that leads me into a question about myself. Perfect. Go, uh, question yourself. So I, I think I did that a lot for a long time in relationships. It's like, I know I'm right on this and I know this will make you happier or whatever it is. And I worked really hard and you've been there through those relationships mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. that exact outcome. It was never good. It was like, it put up the walls and the other person that much more to like, <laughs> I'm digging my heels in F you. Yes. And it's funny, I can swear in front of Jake. I can't swear in front of you. I don't know what it is. You can. Anyways, <laughs> um, lately, I shouldn't say lately. I noticed this in my most recent relationship that's now since ended. It was, I knew that I was doing that in relationships prior, so I stopped doing it cold turkey and would have this like active series of thought when that like that desire to say that would come up or uh, to go through that situation of like, I know what I'm talking about, um, you're wrong. Right? <laughs> I would never say that now. But yes, <clears throat> what I started to do in that relationship was almost being condescending. Where it's yeah. like, um, you know, I get it. You're maybe just haven't gotten there yet. Oh. Mm-hmm. Not good. That didn't work. I no, it didn't did. work. Obviously, it's not going to work. And I didn't catch myself doing because I tried to be as kind as I could. Just like, mm-hmm. I, because I, it wasn't that I knew I was right. It was that I had had the same thought about something that this person was having. And now fast forward through 10 years of therapy mm-hmm. and healing mm-hmm. and getting rid of all this pain and hurt that I had in the past and feeling more free and relieved of those weights upon me, I guess, I saw that they were just in that same path at a different point. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, you know, we don't, we don't have to talk about it. You'll, you'll get there. 
I don't know how else to go through that because I do genuinely believe that in some of those situations. And would I be better off just saying, you know, like, let's not talk about it? Or that's a a great opinion that you have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, for example, dating a gal and she hates her dad. And I know I used to have the same relationship based on the way that she described her relationship with her dad, my relationship with my mom back then. And it was just a disagreement because we were so much alike. Mm -hmm. And it took, speaking to you Mm -hmm. for years, to realize how much I am like my mom and why we butt heads all the time and no longer do. Because I just had to give in to that fact. And I knew mm-hmm. that she would get to that path too. And it was like trying to fast track her through it. Yep, can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you do in that situation? You encourage them and hold the possibility that their path is completely different to yours. Encourage them in what way? Um, uh, well, to me that was encouragement. Yeah. I'm like, but, I, but it's not give, encouragement. Give us specific about, if you can, if, without breaking confidence. Yeah. So, because it's like looking, looking at a specific thing mm-hmm. that she might be saying. So let me think, I'll think about some things I might have said about my parents. Well, usually it comes down to they don't understand me. Yeah. And I don't feel seen. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, That's, this is many women that I've dated mm-hmm. have had the same argument mm-hmm. of, um, I don't fit in. Mm-hmm. They don't understand me, and they don't appreciate my thoughts. So you don't have a type in how they look, but you have a type in how they relate to their families. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> we've discovered that more recently. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I yeah. really don't have a type mm-hmm. in looks. No, they. So don't when it's different. something like that, it's just listening. It's just, it really is listening and saying, yeah. "I know it sucks," or your version of of that. I know yeah. how hard it is. How long do you listen for? Until you can't stand it any longer, or until or you that's no the first longer. <laughs> until you no longer, until you no longer can or want to. Yeah. No one says you have to listen to it. Right. True. It's not compulsory. Hmm. But developing the skill of listening is a it might be might be very helpful. Yeah. Because it is a skill. It's something that can be learned. The ability to just sit and listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. With clients that I have, mm-hmm. that's probably my greatest attribute is listening and then helping them to figure out the answer. In relationships, it's not so. Mm-mm. So oftentimes I try and fast track the direction that they're evidently wanting to go. You yeah. can tell they're unhappy in the situation that they're yeah. in. But that's not, you know, my job. And, and you're dealing with women. So when, you, when you're trying to, when you're trying to help most, it sounds like most of the women that you're dating, what they're most likely experiencing is that you think they're less. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been straight up told by a gal that I was like loosely dating that it comes across as condescending. Yeah. And what's nice about the loose relationship aspect mm-hmm. of that was we were able to have conversation without pain yeah I guess yeah and hurt there's less emotional tie so it seemed like to have more open yeah dialogue yeah and she straight up told me like you're being condescending like no I'm not (laughs) at least I'm not meaning to be yes yeah and good that you could have the conversation I mean a lot of people wouldn't want to to even have that conversation right I think that's the beauty of um, multiple relationships Mm -hmm. is just the fact that you can have 
clarity on things that maybe you never thought about in previous relationships. Yeah. Because someone has the ability to talk about something that someone else couldn't prior to that. Exactly. It's one of the reasons why it's good for people to have relationships when they're young because it helps, it really can help heal a lot of wounding from childhood. Romantic relationships have the capacity to do that, which is oh, yeah. partly why, why I got into relationship coaching yeah. as one of the key like, areas that I like to focus on. Yeah. Explain that. All right, so, yeah, why did you originally pick relationships versus individual? Well, be- <laughs> because <clears throat> I started coaching people on whatever they came to me for. So I, would yeah. meet, I, met, I met someone in a bookstore, and they were a client, um, I had a doctor that, that used happen? to send me... I don't know, we just started talking. Really? And yeah. they're like, I like what you have to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I hire you? Yeah. So um, I met... I met. Um, I had a doctor's office refer some people to me. Oh, that's cool. Um, I've had th- therapists refer people to me, yeah. even. And so, so I got into the... I, I just... Anyone who wanted coaching, I would talk to people about it. And anyone who wanted coaching, I would coach them. Yeah. And so uh, the relationship stuff started coming about because a lot of the people I was coaching, mm-hmm. and no surprise here, it was often codependent women who were having a tough time in relationships with either um, abusive or mm-hmm. narcissistic men. Mm-hmm. And so, so I just... Um, no, I, know, I know about a lot of that from my own experience. Sure. and. And also then had d- done what I usually do about things, you know, done trainings, read all the books, <clears throat> tried some things out. And so, so people started referring other people to me for mm. those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still work with people who have other coachable things like um, anxiety. You know, I, I even... And, and so... Some of the approaches that I've learned, while they're more coaching type approaches, they can be helpful for people who have gotten to a point where they don't feel hopeful mm. about things. Mm. And so, so yeah, I've had a good variety of clients. Mm. When I worked for um, a group in Colorado, they, um, they were licensed with a proprietary method for doing therapy. And so I worked with them. And so I had a lot of clients who had tried other ways of doing things and then it hadn't worked out okay. as well for them. Sure. So they wanted to try something that was a little different. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I just followed what came in front of me. And if yeah. it was, yes, I want to go and do that, that makes sense. Or, well, I've just read like 25 books on this topic and I've had these experiences and I have friends who I've helped through these experiences and then oh, I have clients and maybe there are some similarities and some you know, questions I can ask that can help people come work through this. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me think of two specific mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Um, first one is experience mm-hmm. versus education. Yeah. What do you think you have used more? What would you encourage to others if they were to pick one or the other to start? And... What do you see as a general benefit if you were to pick one or the two, if you had to say left or right, whatever it is? I'm not going to pick. <laughs> Sneaky, <laughs> you can't do that. It's both. It, it absolutely it, is, It yeah. is both. 
I, I, I don't think I could have done any of this. And I think, um, I, I think for me, it took me a while to get there. Yeah. I now view the experiences that I had growing up as giving me you know, specific wisdom about things mm-hmm. that, whereas in the past I might have viewed it much more negatively. Yeah. So, yeah. so I would say experiences starting from you know, quite an early age yeah. and then a love of learning that means that I want to understand. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to understand things. Yeah. So, yeah, so I won't pick. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Yeah, I can't <laughs> say anything about that. I mean, it's first thought that comes to mind is like finding the light in the dark, mm-hmm. and it's. I I am a genuine believer. If you have to go through some shit in order to see that there's a another route, or there's more out there, mm-hmm. or make you appreciate the good, sometimes. Yeah. Um, that doesn't say like intentionally look for the bad so you can find the good, but I think through the darkest times and finding a way out, I found the most strength, the most knowledge the most appreciation for the things that I have and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, the second part of that was um, you are a life coach. Mm -hmm. Is that what you would title it? Yeah, I call myself a coach at this point. Okay. Um, So then there's psychologist and there's Mm -hmm. therapist. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between the three? Mm -hmm. Um, So they used to be much clearer delineation Mm -hmm. to you or to me you're my therapist yeah and so i and so what what a coach does is generally focuses on the goals that the person wants Mm -hmm. and how to move them towards those goals okay right so um so i i won't go digging for like past events that could be that could contribute to problems and if they come up, the focus that I have on any past events is how to move um, towards whatever goals we've set for you. Okay. Whereas um, psychologists really, uh, well, they look at the, the accomplishment of goals and they also look at um, much more deeply into the past. Um, so, yeah. So I focus very definitely, like, more goal orientation, I mm. think. And I like, and, and so for me, it's again, along the way, I've learned a little hypnosis. Well, more than a little. I'd I've love learned to talk some about hip- that too. I've learned some hypnosis. I've done, I um, haven't done, excuse me one second. <clears throat> I haven't done a lot of um, NLP training, but I've done some online NLP training. What's that? Um, Neuro linguistic programming. What's um, that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to that. Okay. So, <clears throat> so I've done a lot of trainings. And um, hold on, and um, so I incorporate bits and pieces of those in in whatever I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we come back to NLP? Yes. What is it? Neuro linguistics. <laughs> yeah. What? So, oh gosh, I don't know how. To, I'm going to look at the how to define it quickly. <laughs> you don't have I, to. I, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, while you're looking that up, can you also talk about at the same time mm-hmm. uh, hypnosis? You have, mm-hmm. it, once we've used, I believe it was hypnosis, mm-hmm. um, in a conversation that we had, what is hypnosis in your line of work? Mm-hmm. And how effective is it? Why do you use it? Mm-hmm. Anything like that? Um, I think hypnosis is really effective. Mm-hmm. And the, the main, 
way that it helps is it puts people into a very relaxed, receptive state. And then um, we can ask questions, look at certain situations, and then um, suggest, like you suggest to yourself effectively, a different way of either looking at something or dealing with something in the future. Okay. So it's the being in a very relaxed state yeah. that really uh, is the key okay. to, to being able to access a different area of the mind, really. Okay. And so, I mean, we like to think that we're run by our thinking minds, but we're really much more run by our subconscious minds. Sure. Yeah. And so it's hard for us to access our subconscious minds with just thinking. If we're going to do it with thinking, it has to be repetition or repetition or, or less reps but higher emotional intensity to get change to happen at that subconscious mind level. You mean higher emotional intensity? Mm. What does that look like? So <clears throat> what, do you, what do you remember of the time we did that? So uh, um, basically what happened, I had had a previous relationship that was very traumatic. Um, I mean, it was a very traumatic experience. She went on to a podcast after I was on television and made up a bunch of stuff and posted it all over and took screenshots of conversations out of context and posted them all over and I had thousands of people coming after me, eating me alive, posting all sorts of terrible things. Um, it affected my health. It just beat me up for months and months and months. And maybe a year after that, we had a conversation and I was laying on my couch. We were doing it over a phone call, I believe, at that time. And you talked to me about visualizing myself how did I how did it come about it was something along the lines of like visualizing myself helping myself mm -hmm. and what does that look like mm -hmm. and I came to shore I think it was on a giant ship dressed as a captain in all white standing at the bow of that ship extremely proud with like my one knee up right on mm -hmm. the, the side mm -hmm. and just looking like your stereotypical badass captain of a ship mm -hmm. and it came ashore very well like no bumps or anything like that and all of a sudden I switched places to being on the shore and my ex-girlfriend who did these things was on the ship and I just saluted her and it sailed backwards back out to sea with her on it never to be seen again and with that went every attachment that I had to this person yeah. good or bad and it just left my body mm -hmm. and it was really like an out of body experience because I was in that moment as that person proud and confident and of I would look at it now as like high respect because mm -hmm. I had to earn that place right mm -hmm. and giving me the power to get rid of this toxic part of my past. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it just in my mind alone, I had had this trapped and then just let it go mm -hmm. in this one conversation. Mm-hmm. Never to be bothered by again. Yeah. Literally. That can happen. That was <clears throat> wild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very vivid memory of just those two visuals, me coming ashore and her going away. And I still remember that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank mm -hmm. you. Mm-hmm. All right, so that to me was what I saw as hypnosis. Yeah. But I have no idea how we got to that state. I was just all of a sudden in it. I used my therapy voice. <laughs> yeah, what were you doing? <laughs> no, was there a metronome? Did you drug me over the phone? What was no. it? No. 
So, so as a, you know, be, doing hypnosis mm-hmm. is I deliberately slow my voice down and I use words mm. that suggest relaxation and I, so, yeah, mm. you got into a pretty relaxed state. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, and it's an invitation. It's always an invitation so that the, the mind doesn't rebel. Yeah. So it's, you know, now invite yourself to, or now I invite you to. Yeah. So it's always an invitation. Or at least I was just going to say that. It was never a guide. It was no. always an invite. An invitation. Because all of those visuals, I came up myself. You mm-hmm. never said, like, Mm-mm. visualize yourself doing this or that. I think that's one of the biggest problems I see, excuse mm-hmm. me, in people I talk to about therapy. Yeah. Is oftentimes they're... Coach, I don't want to put anybody mm-hmm. on blast or anything. Uh, their their person is telling them what to do, mm-hmm. and I just think of myself and the ways that I've been helped and the way that I've helped others. It's never been by telling someone what to do. Mm-mm. It's by asking them what feels best. Absolutely. And allow that to kind of come through on their own. Yeah. But that's still very. Uh, how do I say it? A, a really impressive ability and specific ability to guide someone without leading them mm-hmm. and knowing what questions to ask, when to ask it, how, how to let them take charge, when to let them take charge, when to take over and offer certain opinions and thoughts. Cause you do that all the time. You'll still give me mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. reasoning and science and all that, mm-hmm. but allowing me to kind of tell my own story throughout the process. Yeah. Cause your story is what matters. And, cause, yeah. and, and again, this is, this is what I've said a lot of times. Good. <clears throat> because the event isn't happening anymore, or the series of events <clears throat> don't, aren't happening anymore. So why we are impacted by events, it's either the story we have about it, mm. the thoughts we have, the emotional response that's elicited when we think about it. Mm-hmm. And that, like all of the cluster of beliefs and ideas that we have about the event, yeah. and more importantly, what we chose to do. <clears throat> excuse me, in that situation. Mm-hmm. So, and so the strategy that we use to that, with which we might have helped ourselves, then becomes a strategy that we're going to use again if we are in a similar situation. And because our brains are these sloppy pattern matching machines, Mm -hmm. you know, you've heard this multiple times, but it's the, from a survival perspective, it's much better that if we see a, see a rope, we, we might mistake it for a snake Mm -hmm. rather than if we saw a snake mistaking it as a rope. I've used that one in so many settings since you told me about it. So, right. So it's a sloppy pattern uh, matching machine. So the, um, so we can match the, the event that caused us so much pain and trauma, we can match it to a lot of different circumstances. Mm. So if other people were involved, if someone is around that, that in, is similar to that other person in any way. Mm. And so in the most extreme cases, it's like if, I mean, you can see it with dogs as well. If they've been mistreated oh, right. by a man, yeah. they'll be scared of men. That's Daisy. People right. ask all exactly. the time, why does Daisy get all... Yeah fussy about mm-hmm. men and not women. Yeah. Um, when did you adopt her? I've had her since she was mm-hmm. eight or nine weeks old for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. But could something have happened in those first eight weeks with a man that was very traumatizing? Possibly. Maybe. Yeah. I didn't realize it would make that much of an imprint at such yeah. a young age, but it very well could have. Yeah. So, so like being, being traumatized by, you know, someone that has particular characteristics that are fairly common mm-hmm. means that, that, that 
we can be reminded of that trauma fairly sure. often. But there's people who almost search that out intentionally. In an attempt unintentionally. To right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I've been doing in my relationships mm-hmm. forever, right? It's yeah. trying to find the woman who will love me in the ways that I've never felt mm-hmm. loved mm-hmm. at a time in life when I needed it. Yes. Which gets me in trouble over and over. And it's taken years <laughs> to get through and is now finally getting there, but not quite there just yet, but close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to go from there. I like that though. That your story is what matters. Mm-hmm. That's the title of the podcast. Really? That's pretty good. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So we talked about hypnosis. Yeah. Um, can we go back over NLP? Yes. 